This stanza is called relinquishing. When the mind is held, the mind becomes tight. When the body is held, the body becomes tight. Uptight minds and bodies, stiff, unyielding, anxious, reactive, frozen, stuck, captive. Pain is this tightness. Dukkha is this unending process of holding body and mind. The mind is held because one fears its release. The prisons of constraint seem safer than the wild uncertainty of the open sky. And the body is held because one fears pain and death. So squeezing the life out of one's body seems safer than letting the body loose into its own impermanence. Tightness is born of safety and control. Holding body and mind is a caution of timidity and fear. Things governed by fear become expressions of fear. To recognize the reality of emptiness, one has to find the thing to be relinquished. And this cannot be found in any text, philosophy or teaching. Because it is the grip itself, that part of you that holds the mind and holds the body. So you do not need to look for an ego or a self or an essence or a false consciousness. You do not need to look at all. Instead, you need to feel for that part of you that grips. You cannot relinquish the grip until you firmly apprehend it. And when you properly know the part of you that grips, you properly know the precise thing standing between you and the ultimate freedom. So with this inner knowledge, the path of relinquishing opens. When you relinquish the grip, you relinquish all of the vices. Because the grip is the cause of all vice. When the grip is truly relinquished, the mind is mind and the body is body. Nothing is in the way of anything. Emptiness and form abide and coalesce. The path of seeing is attained. So to attain this seeing, do not look for emptiness. Instead, search for the grip. Know the grip. And then precisely relinquish that. The apprehension of emptiness is the result of doing exactly this.
And this is a commentary to the stanza called Relinquishing. So it's very tempting for yogis and yoginis to try and find the awakened part of their being. So one looks for the Atman or the Tathagatagarabha or the Purusha or the soul or however this may be signified, depending on whatever tradition you're inspired by. So there is a vast amount of literature imploring us to do precisely this, to cease identifying with the lower and to find or realize or discover the higher. And on the surface, this stanza seems to be opposing those kinds of intentions. But actually it's saying exactly the same thing, albeit with a small caveat. And the caveat is that one ought not look for the awakened part of one's being, but rather one needs to look for the part of one's being which blocks or obscures that. That is what needs to be found. In the Madhyamika tradition, this obscuring thing is called swabhava, which translates in English to own being or inherent nature. And there is a very simple polarity between swabhava which is the root of false consciousness or constraint, and shunyata, which is emptiness, as the site or locus of liberation or freedom. And similar kinds of polarities exist in many other contemplative traditions. For example, between the Purusha and the Prakriti of the Samkhya Yoga tradition, or the soul and body in certain forms of Christian mysticism. And so the stanza is making one simple point, that one must correctly identify and apprehend the obscuring thing as a matter of priority. And this implies that searching for emptiness is fruitless if one does not know what emptiness is not. So the key point is that if one is trying to discover the reality of emptiness, one must come to understand and recognize Swabhava. In fact, one doesn't need to look for emptiness at all. Because emptiness is found only when Swabhava is identified and recognized, and on that basis, dispelled. And one could potentially spend many years doing this on a purely philosophical level. Certainly in some traditional forms of Buddhism, that's exactly what happens. So it may be important to gain a true conceptual or analytical understanding. But the deeper point of the stanza is to go beyond this analytical or philosophical level 
and find the obscuring thing directly in your own personal experience. And the deep claim of the stanza is really that once we step out of particular traditions and concepts, the obscuring thing is simply in the way that we hold or grasp everything that comes through us. We hold our bodies, we hold our thoughts, we hold our perceptions, we hold other people, we hold our feelings. We hold our very apprehension of reality. We hold everything. And so it follows that the way to true yogic freedom is to find that part of ourselves that holds. And when it is found, to loosen the grip until it fully releases. Swabhava is nothing more than this, and emptiness is nothing more than what follows from releasing the grip.